it's a way to for these families to to be heard, to be a part of a community, to not be suffering alone, and and for all of that to have meant something. This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host Lit, and I'm your host Lucid, and we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. It's Thursday and we are recording another episode of the show. You guys, we are just cruising right along through this season. We only have a couple of episodes left. But today we are have a special guest joining us from Larkspur, Colorado. Heather Jackson is the co-founder and president of Realm of Caring Foundation. Realm of Caring is an internationally acclaimed nonprofit primarily serving families who are dealing with life-limiting and chronic health conditions. Heather knows firsthand about the benefits of cannabis plant medicine as she was able to help navigate her son's medical condition from hospice to health. Today, Realm of Caring is committed to improving lives through research, education, and community. Welcome, Heather. We are super grateful to have you on the show today to share more about the importance of medical cannabis and to learn more about your journey. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. And thanks, Jared. I'm super happy to be here. Likewise, you know, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we're honored to uh, to have you on the show today and learn more about yourself, uh, your journey, and really uh, everything you guys have organized with Realm of Caring. And so uh, I know on that, you know, I know you have a personal story that, uh, you know, it really is why you're here and it's about medical cannabis. Yeah. And so uh, let's just start with that and, and, you know, share us a little bit more about your story and, and the journey and, and kind of how it led you here and ultimately to Realm of Caring. Sure. Yeah. We, um, my husband and I are high school sweethearts and our youngest son has a rare genetic condition. He numbers at this point, the 42nd person in the whole world to have a really rare genetic condition in which he has a lot of seizures, um, delayed development, autism, uh, and he transitioned to hospice Back in 2009, he was, his seizures would number in the hundreds daily. And he was having early morning seizures in which he would stop breathing and emergency medications, which are really heavy hitting benzodiazepines, they weren't stopping his seizures. And so this is when we transitioned to receiving hospice palliative services. And I never did stop looking, you know, for something to just alleviate his suffering. And uh, our hospice counselor actually um, had mentioned another family um, that hopefully we'll get to talk about. uh, (laughs) There's so much, you know, this little girl reminded her so much of Zakai. And she's like, look, I could lose my job, but I would never forgive myself if I didn't give you some information. And she handed over some, um, you know, some phone numbers. (laughs) And and that was all she wrote. Uh, we we got started using cannabis just a few months after that, and Zakai's condition completely went into remission. Wow! 
the first thing he did was he started pumping his legs on the swing. So imagine a 10 year old, you know, <laughs> pumped his legs on the swings. And a, and a few days later he starts humming and he's never hummed before. And, you know, and, and then everything just continued to progress and he just got better and better. And, and over the course of about three months, then his seizures remitted. And then it was, you know, he missed primetime brain development through that first decade to over 17 pharmaceuticals, which I'm usually embarrassed to say, but what do you do? You know, what do you do? You do everything the doctor says to do. You do everything the doctor doesn't say to do. And so we just, yeah, fell in love with this plant um, and wanted to find the nearest mountaintop and let families know this is an option and it's, it's a really darn good one. And uh, and that's how Roma Caring was born. And have you always been located in Colorado? Yeah. Yeah. So we did not have to relocate. Um, early on when Realm of Caring was founded back in 2012 and we received our, our nonprofit status in 2013, yeah, a lot of families had to relocate. Mm-hmm. And just super lucky, blessed just to already be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to know, um, you know, the idea, you know, of seizures and cannabis is probably one of the first things that I think became so publicly available. And it was like the first thing that uh, individuals could like physically see that the dramatic difference that cannabis made mm-hmm. for individuals with seizures. And so I really think that this is even the work you guys are doing and possibly even with your son. I was fun- some of the first stuff that I feel like people started picking up on that helped to progress this destigmatization of cannabis and ultimately helped to get us to today because it really helped to show people like literally like in real time almost that this stuff uh, makes a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. And, you know, parents with sick kids, you know, we, there's no ulterior motive here. We're, we're just trying to save our kids. And, you know, fortunately Sanjay Gupta and that first weed special that, that came out in the fall of 2013 really opened a lot of people's eyes to this. And and no, you cannot argue (laughs) when you see children who are suffering and, have done everything the doctor said to do, and they're still not better. I mean, you really cannot argue with the plant at that point, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, that's such a touching story, Heather. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me that I really wasn't aware of is that your son was essentially like patient number two, right? And that came yeah. behind Charlotte Figgy. So for those who don't know Charlotte Figgy and, you know, Charlotte's Web, um, can you tell us a little bit more about her story and then how that kind of you and her mom actually founded Realm of Caring? Yeah, um, it's my favorite story to tell. Charlotte has Dravet syndrome, which is another rare catastrophic form of early childhood epilepsy. And they um, also were receiving hospice palliative services at that point. Um, the state of Colorado has some really great services. And so when the prognosis is poor, you're not expected to live into adulthood, um, then there's there's some services available for, for kids in our state. And so that is how we met. Miss um, Kate, our hospice counselor, um, made the introduction and Paige was one of those phone numbers on that piece of paper. And, uh, you know, I reached out to, to her and at that point, Charlotte was doing really well. I mean, she was on a feeding tube, so she wasn't eating any food and wasn't taking any water by mouth. Um, she was having a tonic clonic seizure every 15 minutes. I mean, it was very, it was not good. And, um, Charlotte got 99% seizure control. 
And so by the time I had reached out to her, she was doing really well. And um, Paige was not sure, you know, is this, is this going to continue? All she could tell me was what she was doing, you know? And, and then when Zakai got better, we were just still not totally believing that this was happening, but we did feel an extreme sense of obligation to talk to our community community and tell them, you know, just what we were doing. You know, we were like, look, we do not know if this is going to work, but I mean, if you can get to Colorado, um, get here. Yeah. And so the, the very first days of, of Realm of Caring was really helping families navigate that process, getting to Colorado, establishing residency, getting, um, you know, your red card, you know, your doctor's signature, your plant counts assigned so that, um, you know, at this point, the Stanley brothers were growing Charlotte's Web as, as a medical marijuana. It was through that program. There was no hemp program back mm-hmm. then. So there was a lot of, there were a lot of barriers to access back then. The vast yep. people, you know, could not relocate. Um, and then as some families did, we were seeing, you know, it, it was, it was almost, and the third family didn't have success. And we almost continued to see that sort of two thirds response rate. And to keep in mind that with epilepsy, you know, after your third failed drug, it, it like statistically, you have a less than 1% chance that you're going to find a pharmaceutical that works. Wow. It doesn't leave the family with a whole lot of hope. So when yeah. we're seeing kinds of <laughs> results within our little community, we're like, this is really, really happening. And we need to systemize and organize a way to, to help people. And so in the beginning, it was all, you know, little kids with epilepsy and, and very quickly other people were reaching out, you know, what about cancer? What about lupus? What about chronic pain? What about, I mean, you name it. Um, you know, and so we said, well, we got really, really good at looking at the research and, um, and being able to guide folks by what the data would suggest. And that's been really important to realm of caring and, when we didn't have enough data, <laughs> then we started our own uh, research, uh, and we we started that with um, Johns Hopkins University, and that is still underway now. It's now the largest registry in the world, and that That's was incredible. really important to us because when people reach out, we want to be able to tell them what the data suggests. You know, if they've got glioblastoma, a really really rare brain tumor, we want to be able to say we have 83 other people and this is what they're using and these are the results they're having. And, you know, that that is the level of care that people deserve. And so, yeah, we started the the research registry, which is basically that with published research is how we are able to educate. That's incredible. And I, and I, and I like that you hi- you're highlighting some of these, basically the barriers of entry, really. And I mean, you guys were very, very early to this whole idea yeah. of like a legal market that we even see. I mean, 2013, that's well before recreational really even became so much of a thing, even in Colorado. And so uh, like you're mentioning uh, to then, it's really incredible really that you guys were able to put together all these different uh, resources and, and really the community and then ultimately lead to where you guys are pushing uh, research, you know, down and in the back end now today. And uh, yeah. I think that's great for you guys. But, you know, let's dive back into this a little bit more and tell us more about this community that you guys have uh, put together. I know this also 
uh, is also like interfacing with the healthcare community. It's not just you know a band of uh, people on the outside where you guys are absolutely integrating with healthcare and nurses and doctors and stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that that's definitely the case. In the beginning, we didn't bring them along. That was a big mistake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're just like help the people as quickly as you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, doctors get really upset when you go rogue and you start using something that they know nothing about. And so very quickly we realized, wow, we really need to engage the medical community. And what they want, and rightfully so, is the data. They don't want a story. They don't care about a CNN special, you know. And sadly to say, they don't, they don't care about Charlotte. They don't care about Zakai. You know, they really want this, this data in a, in a really validated way. And so what we started doing was essentially orientations, Cannabis 101, where we started to teach medical professionals, this is how cannabis works in the body. These are the mechanisms of action. This is what we're seeing in the clients that we serve. This is how much they're taking. Um, these are the responses they're having. This is uh, the health outcomes you know, that they're having. And we also knew it was going to be really important to collect economic indicator data. And for me, I thought money's going to talk with this. They're not going to care about a good story. If we can reduce the cost of someone who's sick on the right. medical system, I think at some point, right, we're, that, that's what's really going to speak to people. And so we started making sure that through our registry, we were collecting, you know, how, how many um, pharmaceuticals people were taking. So were they lowering their pharmaceuticals, for example? Were they having less? hospitalizations where they go into the doctor less, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and so that, that data was really important for the medical community as well, to be able to see that, you know, so, some of our research is showing that, you know, users had greater health satisfaction, they had higher ratings of quality of life, um, they have better scores in their psychological health, uh, lower anxiety scores, I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, lower baseline depression, uh, sleep quality. You know, and when you can show that, you can show a statistically significant improvement to the medical folks. They're like, oh, and we will partner with with folks as doctor because we know they they can't make a a prescription like they would for you know a pharmaceutical, and they may not even know really how much to tell them to take. And that's where we come in. We can say, hey, you know, we can come in and partner with that doctor and have the doctor draw labs, you know, and make sure all the pharmaceuticals are staying right where they need to stay. They can work with them to lower their pharmaceuticals because um, most people who are using cannabis are able to do that. And we don't get, we're, we're not medical professionals, you know, we're not guiding people to do that. So we're able to, you know, work with their doctors to do that. And so we've got over 2000 medical professionals that we're wow. connected now all all over the world, mostly in the United States. And um, really, yeah, thank you for asking that question. Really <laughs> proud of that. And, mm -hmm. um, and they're one of our top referral sources to the call center. So we, we operate a free call center. And so people can, you know, reach out. And doctors have learned we're a really, really good resource to get their patients to. We will take the time with them as long as they need, as many calls as they need. And, and we really give them, you know, the data and education they need. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to talk about. And one thing that I want to talk about, it certainly isn't a knock on doctors at all. Um, but it's, 
when we were first early into this, it was very evident that doctors weren't even being taught the endocannabinoid system in medical school. And so even the idea of the ECS system and, and how cannabis interfaces with the body is a relatively new thing. And so I almost think, like you said, doctors are probably seeking this information from reputable sources just as much as anybody uh, because they're getting inundated with questions. And so I, I do think that on their end, they're like, you know, thank the Lord that, you know, Realm of Caring is aggregating all this and putting together resources and and has a community that's uh, driven just like we are for for real answers, not just anecdotal information just to, you know, put on a media uh, press release or something and say, look at this, you know, this is like real stories. You guys actually are there because you're committed to the patients. And so I can totally see yeah. why even healthcare providers and medical professionals are like, uh, this is a great thing you guys are organizing. Yeah, they they love sending their patients to us and we've grown, you know, like like I had mentioned, maybe 400 families back when we were, you know, in the very, very beginning over that first year and we now serve close to 70,000. Wow. That's so cool. That's one it's, of my it's questions. Amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. That's one of my questions. You know, Jared did mention you guys were very early on in this whole process. So where there's like a lot of barriers to entry, you know, to make your organization legitimate to these medical professionals. And you guys are also, you know, working with John Hopkins. Like, was that a huge feat? Like it had to have been difficult. It was. And we weren't like open arms welcomed in the medical community. I mean, in fact, I remember there was at a conference, uh, an epilepsy conference, and it was Denver Children's Hospital. And they um, they looked at soap notes and soap notes are, are the, just the, the notes that the doctors take when you're in the office. And they presented some data that said, if you relocated to Colorado, you were more likely to over-report your seizure reduction. And it was really kind of a slam, you know, to what it was that we were, yeah. what being. And, you know, soap notes are not super reliable. And often the doctors type up or, you know, dictate um, into their little microphone, right, what they thought they heard. And, and you know, a lot of parents get their soap notes afterwards and they, they want to make some corrections. Like I were using CBD, not THC. And this was the amount, this is the milligrams of that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, that so we were not we were not really accepted. They, and I, I think they were scared. You know, there were a lot of really fragile kids that were relocate, relocating here. And, um, and so it, it took consistency over time where they could understand we're not crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're actually doing the best we can to collect as much data as we can. And we'd love to partner with you on that, you know, and, um, and, and it just, it really just took time and it took, them having a patient who improved and, um, you know, and seeing that with their own eyes and going, wow, you know, maybe there is something here. Mm -hmm. And there are old doctors who they're, they're not about it. They're not with it. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to make that change and, and that's okay. Um, we really empower families to find doctors who, who are, and that's why we started to create that community within realm of caring, find a new doctor. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah, I think yeah. those are definitely like catalysts to help, you know, a lot of this change. And and I think, you know, we're all going to look back in 10 years and be like, wow, what an impact Realm of Caring had really. And, and just you guys being willing to put yourself out there. I know even early in this, I know there was even 
like school boards getting involved with people having to have, you know, medication at the schools. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this like opened up really a Pandora's box of questions for society uh, to have to address at some point. So it had to happen Definitely. at some point. And, you know, it took a tough crowd like yourself to to be able to weather the storm and get it to this point. Yeah, I mean, there is nothing like a, a mama bear and a papa bear, right, who have fought so hard for <laughs> for so long. Yep. When we're like, oh, we need to make some legislative changes. Okay, no problem. You know, <laughs> yeah. show up, wheeling our kids in their wheelchairs right down there. Um, you know, and we will not stop being the squeaky wheel. And we will, one of the most important things that Realm of Caring has done for me personally um, and the other other families were able now to, to tell their story is for all of that pain and all of that suffering to have meant something mm-hmm. for it to be able to help somebody else that they could find this sooner yeah. that their lives, these kids lives. And now we serve, you know, we keep talking about kiddos, but our, you know, our largest population now is an aging population who's dealing with chronic pain, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's, it's a way to, for these families to, to be heard, to be a part of a community, to not be suffering alone. And, and for all of that to have meant something for people to this earlier in their trajectory. So Kai had a decade and now his outcome is sort of set. He's going to need help. He's going to have to live with us for the rest of his life. You know, there's kids who found it as their second medication or their third medication and their outcomes are totally different. And it's like, and people don't have to move. You know, these states are, are knocking them down one after the other. I mean, we help 20 different states and, um, and there's still a lot of work to do, but um, yeah, it's, it's very, very exciting. And it's so important that podcasts like yours, you know, continue to, to, to tell the story that we continue to ring the bell, that there are still people who are suffering who do not know that this is an option mm-hmm. and, and we need to reach those people. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of my kind of final questions on this whole thing is what would it have felt to you, you know, to have realm of caring, you know, all the way back then, you know, when you first started these struggles with your son, like how like imperative and important would have that have been as a resource for you? And you totally already answered the question, but that was totally my thought process. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, I think that's one of the biggest things is just sort of truncate the learning curve. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone is very individual and they do have to walk their own path and their own journey but having a hand to hold along the way and being able to at least understand the collective data is going to get you there a lot quicker. And, um, and being able to be in community with, with people who are, you know, suffering just, just like you are is, is just really, really critical. And you guys are taking out the unknown. I was just thinking about that, like how scary for a parent or even as an individual to have some sort of diagnosis where you're going to the doctor every day and 10, 15 medications later and you're still having these struggles, like how scary, you know, and just the fact that you guys are there as a resource is, I'm sure, you know, means a lot to so many people. Yeah, thank you for that. It's it's our greatest honor to be able to to do that, to be there for folks. I think it's awesome, really. I think I look at it as almost like crowdsourcing and this kind of like expedited kind of like mass movement towards expediting research, really. You know, I used to work in in research at the Institute of Cannabis Research, and we actually, I got my start studying 
uh, like neurotypical disorders and, and some on seizures. And uh, there was a lot of research, I'll say, that's already been done. And I think that was ultimately my catalyst to kind of break free from research to just spend my time talking about it more than anything. Um, but then it still brings in this next phase of like, uh, you know, proving that some of this research that's already been done does, you know, stand up to the test of today. Yeah. And then also getting down to the more specifics in these different age groups and, and you know, specific conditions and stuff. And so you first, you know, I used to always preach, you know, the first step is awareness. And that's really uh, what I think you guys created here is an awareness of that there's a problem and that there's most likely a solution to this. And we just need more people in the fold to then, you know, prove our solution. And I think that's ultimately mm -hmm. what research is always trying to do. It just takes years and years uh, to do that. And so I think by you guys focusing on the community and building this awareness, it really has kind of created this huge tidal wave that uh, has kind of led us here to where it's much more mainstream and accepted to even talk about cannabis as a as a legitimate, you know, medical, uh, you know, intervention uh, versus 10 years ago. And you are, you're brilliant. So the crowdsourcing of the data is the phase that we're in now. You know, we have been collecting data formally um, since 2015 through our call center. So all calls are recorded, all interactions are recorded, um, which creates, you know, what the smart people tell me is called a data lake. Mm -hmm. And then you have this registry where people are going in and answering tons and tons of questions using validated measures creates another data lake. Hmm. And so realm of caring is now sitting on and, and what we need the industry to help us with is over 5 million data points. Wow. That we need to build the machine mm -hmm. uh, to be able to take a look at these outcomes, use things like predictive you know, technology, use things like AI, because we've been involved since the very, very beginning, before anyone could pronounce cannabidiol, we were, we were taking phone calls, we're answering questions, we're looking at research, and where are we now? And, and what is next? And I believe that, you know, I don't want to get too, uh, <laughs> like, I believe this data could potentially be really, really powerful, a little bit of a crystal ball, where's the industry going to go next, because we've transitioned from kids with epilepsy to, you know, an aging population with chronic pain. How did we get there? What's next? And what do we need? And we need the industry to come alongside us. Now, I've, I've, we did a little bit of practice. We built uh, a machine for the call center where all of the data poured in through the registry. And that's how if you call in and you say, I've got lupus, we're able to say, okay, you know, here's, here's how we answer those questions. Hmm. Um, and again, not medical advice. I always feel like someone from the FDA is listening right now. <laughs> yeah. like, not medical advice, just information for you to talk to about. But now we've got this, these other huge data lakes that, you know, I, I again, I just feel this really strong sense of responsibility to the industry now. You know, we've taken care of the people and now we want to really help the industry elevate, you know, uh, formulations, products. Yeah, everything. How, yeah. at what point in the purchasing um, process do they make these kinds of decisions? You know, all of that information is there. We just have to be able to uncover it. And again, yeah. smarter people than me. I'm just a mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, you know, awareness is the first step and you guys are already yeah. the, like step five here. So, you know, you guys have, you especially have, have more than done your job of getting it to this point. And, and I do think you're right. I think there's, you know, certainly phases you have to work through, but one of those is, you know, getting the data. And, and I think yeah. we're also at a point now where, 
Uh, you know, I think the tide's shifting to uh, clearly, you know, cannabis is going to be legal uh, nationwide in, in a matter of, you know, years at this point, not even, you know, five years ago, we were still questioning whether it was going to be legal in Colorado or if the federal government was going to come shut it down. And so I think we're past that now. And so I think we can start looking over the horizon uh, to, you know, some more streamlined and like targeted interventions and medical, yes. uh, you know, products. And, and, you know, whether that goes the pharmaceutical route or not, I think that all people want to see is is products that are geared towards these medical conditions that actually work. And so yeah. uh, awareness is the first step. And I think, you know, we're halfway there. And, you know, it's really a lot of it's done because you guys have really put your best foot forward to get us here. So uh, kudos to you guys. It's really incredible. Oh, thanks, Jared. So appreciate that. Well, speaking of like, you know, new things going on, you've also started to tackle the psychedelic industry. I don't know how, but here you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have co-founded Unlimited Scientists, which is also a nonprofit focused on psychedelic research and awareness. So tell us a little bit more about this organization's mission and kind of what's going on with that. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, Unlimited Sciences is a daughter organization to Realm of Caring. So Realm of Caring provides the fiscal sponsor agent for Unlimited Sciences. And in 2016, Zakai's seizures recurred. They came back. And um, and he was he had hit puberty. And after almost four years of no seizures, as you can imagine, I was a mess. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had what only I could describe as pretty much a break. It was a full-on breakdown. By the way, I don't remember anybody who hasn't had a full-on breakdown. <laughs> and, you know, I started to go down that same darn medical path I'd taken Zakai down. You know, I had lost strength in my hands. I couldn't find my words. I was, you know, I'm turning my blinker to go left. I'm clearly getting off the highway to the right. Like, I was just kind of a little bit of a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. And I went to see a neurologist, and he's doing an EEG, and he's prescribing me Topamax. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. wait a minute. What are we doing? Yeah. Migraines. Uh, these aren't seizures. What the heck is going on here? You know, and and um, I took a sabbatical. I took a break, and now everyone at Realm of Caring at their five year anniversary also gets a sabbatical. So I loved it. Nice. Yeah, anything that I do that um, is so helpful to me. I'm like, okay, I want to tell the have help the people. So. <laughs> So I curated a psilocybin experience for myself using, again, research, um, knowing how much, how many grams I was going to take. And, um, and I also had a therapist involved and I had a sitter and curated an experience that really just absolutely changed me. And, um, I, I'm in this community where the suffering is very profound and the grief is very, very deep. And you are never post the traumatic stress. <laughs> like you are constantly day in dealing with this, you know? And, um, and it wasn't just like this one magical miracle experience with psilocybin. Um, but that was a catalyst of me looking, going, doing ceremony, these things um, to try to heal myself and to try to deal with, grief and, and trauma. And it was, has been very, very power, powerful for me. And so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do the same thing that we do with Rebel Caring and collecting data. Like these things are happening in the real world. <laughs> Double blind, low controlled trials. Yes, please do that. But th- this, we, we have this, especially with psychedelics, cannabis as well. We've been using these substances for thousands of years. There's a wealth 
and depth of knowledge there that we need to collect. And, and so we started a nonprofit very similar to Realm of Caring, um, where we're using the power um, you know, of data and these lived experiences so then we can then serve the community. It's really important to me to mitigate risk as well. I've had some negative psychedelic experiences as well. You know, and, and you know, can we reliably predict positive outcomes with psychedelics by knowing set and setting and these sorts of things? And so we started a, a very large scale um, registry on psilocybin only, and we're actually in our last quarter of recruitment here. And so this is for you know people who are in places who where it's decriminalized, and so they're they're maybe using psilocybin, um, and they have to procure procure their psilocybin. So we don't we are not able to give you any psilocybin, um, but then it's it's a series of um, screenings that they that they do, and then we'll be able to publish and present that data. Hmm. And, um, and so that's what Unlimited Sciences has been been up to for the last couple of years. We founded in December of 2018. And we're just about to close up this really large scale study, like over 4,000 people. And then we're building a general registry where we can look at other psychedelics, Um, you know, because there's ayahuasca and, um, you know, many other different um, psychedelics that people are using. And so we want to, we've got a mental health crisis that's compounding every day that we are not looking for new solutions. And, um, And so because I was so profoundly changed by those experiences, I wanted to make sure that again, like by the people for the people that we are collecting as much information as we can so that we can, we can help folks. That is so cool. (laughs) I think it's, (laughs) it's quite an amazing follow-up to what we've already heard from you. And, and really, you know, I do see a lot of similarities in both. And, and if, you know, if realm of caring is any indication of what's going to come of this, I think there's going to be a lot of amazing things that come from a limited science and, and, you know, I, just to touch back on the mental health, you know, we're definitely huge supporters of mental health and, and we would totally agree there's a huge crisis going on right now and it's completely yeah. unaddressed through the traditional means and uh, through the traditional, you know, pharmaceutical interventions that are out there. I have my own yeah. story of, you know, addressing my mental health issues with ADHD and, and, and anxiety through pharmaceutical interventions and they were terrible and that's what led me to cannabis and Ultimately, you know, I, we may have talked about this before too, but we've also had our own, you know, psychedelic experiences that have definitely helped reshape our mind and give us a better backbone. And uh, I think, you know, I, don't, I know it's not for everybody and I'll make that disclaimer right now. You should definitely consult, okay. uh, you know, medical professionals and people who are experiencing this. Um, but I will say there's a lot of positives. And, and I think the one thing you noted about maybe what you guys are looking for ultimately is, is a better predictor of outcome. Uh, because that is probably the the one bad part of this is that uh, you can have a bad trip or a bad experience. And, and then I also, I always preach this too, that not everybody's brains are the same. You know, there's different neurochemicals right. they are wired differently uh, because of trauma. The brain may not process things the same way as a normal brain or, or as anybody sure. else's. And so, uh, you know, th- like they say, there's different strokes for different folks. I think <laughs> what we ultimately yeah. have to get to is, is a, is a way, a better predictor of of success uh, across psychedelic uh, means, whether that's psilocybin or MDMA or ketamine, um, the door is really open to, uh, there's a lot of possibilities, but there's still a ton of questions. So I, I could definitely yeah. see the, the immediate viability of unlimited sciences and kind of where you guys are heading with this. It's great. Yeah. Th- yeah. It's, it's so important. And we've got, you know, psychedelic pharmaceutical companies um, popping up right now. And, 
And I think that that is a great option. And there will be people who will only access, you know, um, psychedelics, especially they're not cannabis. They're, they're obviously very, very different. And, you know, some folks are going to need that white coat and the prescription pad. Um, and then some people have been just really betrayed by that system. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to want to access it that way. And, and so there will be alternatives. And I think the more options, the better. And as, as informed decisions as we can make, as we, as we move forward and try to empower ourselves to heal ourselves, I think is really, really, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. That was also one of my questions as I was just thinking when Jared was talking is, you know, the, the idea of the synthetic psilocybin. So when you're talking about set and setting, I know we've had some people on our show where, you know, that's the answer for them. So, you know, we are going to create this quote unquote drug or pharmaceutical and, you know, that's going to create the same result for everybody when there's also, you know, natural psilocybin out there. And we have the idea of, you know, maybe even like dispensaries or adult use model. So for you, where do you kind of see the future of psychedelics heading? I have a pretty broad um, perspective. I do think, I mean, I, I really believe with the phase of study that we're in with psilocybin and, and I mean, especially MDA, we, we will have a, you know, a, a pharmaceutical grade MDMA pretty quickly with the great work that MAPS has, has been um, doing a lot, a lot of years. Um, and, and that is, there is that model. You know, and that is the pharma model. It is an isolation model um, so that you can control for as many variables as possible. Um, but I take a very broad view and I think that that's needed and necessary. And there are people who will only be comfortable accessing it that way. And then I think that there is something to having sat in ceremony mm -hmm. there is something to that. There is something to, um, you know, a shaman who is serving you and these, the, this lineage, this information that's been passed down for thousands of years. And I, th I think there's also something to that. Now there's some folks who that would really scare the heck out of. Okay. I mean, you have a shaman pulling out a bear rattle and <laughs> you're in the middle of Peru and they're going, what? <laughs> you know, and this is not going to be a positive experience for them. And so I, you know, you said it different strokes for different folks. And so I think that people are going to access it many different ways. And, and what we want to do is just follow those people. Um, you know, Brene Brown has a great quote, and it is that stories are just data with a soul. <laughs> I feel like the research we're doing with both realm of caring and unlimited sciences is just collecting as many stories as we can. And they're so important. And it's, it's how we've always traditionally passed down knowledge. Um, and we have to do that in a way that's validated. So we work with universities and create partnerships that way, you know, to, to do this as thoroughly as we can. But the most important thing is the stories. You know, one of the papers that we have coming up for Realm of Caring is um, the quantitative research, which is just the story, you know, just taking that just taking all those stories, just the free text box where they can just unload on how this has served them, their family, themselves, whatever. And, and, and looking at that, because that's when you find what you're not looking for. Mm -hmm. that's the part that's really important to me, finding the outliers. How can we find what it is that we're not looking for? Um, and that's really going to serve and help the most people. That is so cool. I think what you guys are doing too, is it's, it's a pretty unique 
kind of way of going about this too, because like I mentioned before, you know, I've worked in the research side of things and, and sometimes mm-hmm. the research side of things, when you go and start working with participants and you bring them into the lab or, or, you know, even if it's at home, sometimes the data yeah. seems a little bit tainted at times because it's like, uh, they used to call it like white coat syndrome. Like when you go into a doctor's office, office, your, your blood pressure goes up just because of the, the <laughs> my, side that's of, my husband. yeah, no, and <laughs> I, I have high blood pressure until he walks into the doctor's office. It's a thing, yeah. you know, and, it, and you know, it's it may not be a scientific thing, but it's a thing that really happens. And like, that yeah. is a fact. And so, um, speaking on that, you know, the thing of just research is tainted when it has like this clinical model attached to it. That's also a thing. And so I think what you guys are doing is like, you guys are in between, and like your ultimate goal is to take it to like a clinical route, but you guys are still on the front end or where you're getting these raw stories. And I think that is like the most beautiful thing. Cause you guys, like you're already saying, you're going to pull some really interesting stuff out of here. That's just raw and organic and real. And I, and I think that's what we need more of in the, in the science community is some, you know, emotion, some realness, some, some sort of like yeah. some sort of thing to grasp onto besides just numbers and data. And, you know, here's like the intervention you need. Um, I think, you know, and it goes back to, you know, which route is this going to go? And I love that you mentioned, um, you know, like the, the, the plant essence or the, even the, the mushroom essence of this and, and kind of what that encompasses. And it's really, uh, there's a lot of people to talk about maybe where the most healing comes from is like the spiritual aspect of what you find out when you're on these psychedelics. It isn't just that there's physical changes in your brain and, and it helps, you know, create your know, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. It's beyond that. And like the, the clarity you get on things. I think that's a very integral part that may not always come out of this clinical model that uh, some people are seeking. You're 100% right. And that's why we're taking this approach where we can point the finger where the clinical research might go, you know, especially if we find something that they're not, I mean, there's some pretty set conditions that they're researching and we know that it helps more than that. And so if we can, you know, reliably point the finger of where that clinical research could potentially go. That's really great for folks who do that work. And then the, the just help the people. <laughs> yeah. It's so simple. We want to make things so complicated, but that, that data then can, can help, you know, we can tell folks, you know, don't use alcohol within 72 hours of your experience, you know, make sure that you've got a sober sitter, make sure, you know, these, these are sort of the criterium so that there can be some protocols that are, built that people can reliably follow to have the best outcome. And you've already said it, it's not for everyone, but if we can help folks who they're going to go down that route, mm-hmm. you know, going to go down that route. If, again, if we can hold their hand, we'd love to. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for sharing your story about both Realm of Caring and Unlimited Sciences. For those listening and they feel, you know, compelled or inspired or might have a short story to share with you, like how can they get involved with either of these nonprofits? Yes, realmofcaring.org is the website and Realm of Caring on all the socials. Um, and then unlimitedsciences.org, and it has an S, unlimitedsciences.org. Um, and then unlimited sciences on, on all the socials as well. So those, those are the best two places to get in touch and all our phone numbers and, and, and the, the studies if you want to participate in, in any studies are located there. Lots of education, community etc. Yes, definitely good resources. I was checking out their websites earlier and there is a wealth of knowledge on there. So if you're looking (laughs) for that type of information, it is out there, which is good news. (laughs) Yeah, really. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys. You guys are the best. And thanks, you know, being brave enough to to tell your own story. (laughs) I think that's, it's just so important. It's just (laughs) 
important. It's, it's the way that we move forward is, is in authenticity. And, you know, so thank you guys for what you do. Absolutely. Hey, right back at you too. You know, it's really incredible and uh, we always support it and we'll keep supporting you. It's great stuff. <laughs> Thanks. All right, Heather, but one final question. Uh, we are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? At the moment, lucid. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. <laughs>